0: Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts, people that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Mulk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as helper of people, fixer of problems, digital marketing consultant, and holistic digital agency runner, rapscallion, unicorn, Batman. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters, Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Taya Smith. Hi. Hello, Taya. In social settings, how do you introduce yourself?
1: I say, hi, I'm Taya. And that's Correct. It. <laughs> that's it. It's quite easy. That's the hardest part, right?
0: <laughs> you don't feel the need to uh, expand any further or, or do you wait uh, until you've been given a little from the people you're talking to? Uh,
1: I tend to be focused more on other people and finding out what they're about. Um, I really am painfully allergic to the uh, the thirsty elevator pitch um, and I find that it's just a bit disingenuous and, you know, so I just prefer to get to know people with a clean slate and just have a nice chat and see what happens from there. So everyone's so agenda-driven these days. <laughs>
0: yeah. What drives you to be so interested in other people?
1: I don't know. I think everyone's got a story to tell, um, Mm -hmm. you know, to a point. Um, I think everyone's got, I mean, this podcast, everyone's got something interesting or insightful or, you know, somewhat reflective to say. So um, I think, you know, a, a lot of people just often need someone who's just going to listen to them rather than talk to them. Um, and you know, there's a lot of people that talk at each other, but not necessarily listen. So, um, that's what I like. I like being that person who listens.
0: <laughs> have you found that in listening, mm. it's given you an advantage?
1: I don't look at it that way. Um, I, I just, I have a genuine interest in, in people. Um, uh, you know, I'm not, not perfect on have a, have a tendency to not be perfect and not be always listening, but um, the I would say it gives me an advantage. I think it gives uh, empathy is an advantage in my business because we're in a business where there's a lot of veneer and and uh, despite using the word empathy, there's not a lot mm-hmm. of it around. Um, but if you actually stop and pause and think about um, you know people's pain and and what you know and, and are quite comfortable moving through people's problems and pain that's fundamental to marketing and because you, you know if you're solving that that problem you're solving that pain and so you've got to be quite comfortable in the pain to be able to do this so they're not not related to each other
0: so what then is your superpower <sighs>
1: Gosh, um, all nighters. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, Yes, pulling shit, pulling stuff out of my ass at the last minute, and fixing someone's you know crisis is generally something that I'm good at. Um, I've got a lot of clients who you know are under a lot of stress, or you know, not necessarily. laid back with three week deadlines I tend to be the rescue person they call me and it gets done mm. and I pull an all-nighter and we get it fixed and everyone's happy you know um I've had to learn to not do that as much to the detriment of my my health but um mm. you know trying to find that balance is good but if, yeah you know not to make my whole identity about work but my superpower is very much um about getting shit done when I have to so <laughs>
0: Does does that crisis management um, focus, yeah. is that something that, that is a real strength professionally but personally it's not great or is it something that, that continues across both parts of your life?
1: Ooh, that's a very good question. Um, I Well, I've gone through a fair amount of stuff this last year where mm-hmm. I've had to be in somewhat of a crisis management mode for a lot of the time, both personally and professionally. And um, I did actually have a little bit of an epiphany about that recently, which was the fact that some people, I'm, I'm just wired for cortisol to be <clears> running <throat> through my veins. I, you know, I, 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 I'm at my best with adrenaline and with cortisol running and, and all of those stress hormones happening. But fight or flight's not necessarily a healthy state to always be in. Mm-hmm. So I've had to tone it down and calm down and and, and really look at myself and say, look, what works, what's a strength for you professionally, which is, you know, being the trauma surgeon, I guess, if you look at it that way. Mm. Um, in real life, sometimes it's okay to just chill and lay back and, and, and you know, watch the Kardashians fight over nothing, you know. No. <laughs> sometimes, excuse me, <clears throat> um, sometimes that's okay. You don't always have to be on alert all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I've learnt in the last year. Is that, I know it's a roundabout way of answering that question.
0: <laughs> no, that's totally reasonable. Thank you. Mm. What are you passionate about?
1: Oh, many things. Many, many things. Too many things. Um, too
0: many things? Too many
1: things. Um, I am, I'm, I'm passionate about curiosity. And I know that that sounds really wanky and very general but I try to just make sure that I stay curious. Um, I think it's easy to, when you reach a certain level in a career or in your life, or that you just stop wondering and you stop being curious and, um, and stop trying new things. And for me, that's something that I'm passionate about is that I'm always doing something slightly new. You know, it might not be, you know, you're you, you just always doing something incrementally or slightly better or different than what you're already doing. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm I'm passionate about growth as a human being.
0: (laughs) What's the silliest thing in your opinion that you're passionate about? (laughs)
1: Kardashians. (laughs) Which would not fit with my type, but um, people don't realize how obsessed I am with the Kardashians. Um, but I can hear you laughing at me, Steve, but I actually go, how the hell do they, they're, they're, they're a curiosity to me that they've managed to do this thing and build this empire and that they've, they've got no real problems in life, but they've also got some universal problems in life. <laughs> I, it just it, it bugs me. And, yes, I'm passionate about the Kardashians and I'm not afraid to admit it to all of the listeners.
0: At at risk of finding out information that I really didn't need to know,
1: like Kardashians,
0: yeah. <sighs> How did the Kardashians come into power?
1: You know what? They deal in the minutia of, like, and they're really, really, really good trolls, and uh, they, they, you know, and and <coughs> Kanye has just made taken it to a whole new level, right? But for me, um, you know, a lot of the critique around the Kardashians is, oh, you know, she's only famous because she had a sex tape. And I was like, how many freaking sex tapes with models are there? You know, like <laughs> there has to be something more than that. There has to be some savvy. It's like, how can you build a billion dollar empire off the back of a sex tape? You know, that that requires Massive amounts of, of of PR nows and and and, and you know all of the, you know a lack of boundaries and you know and I think that a lot of the critiques mm. don't actually watch the show. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Is, that I think that, that, that the focused on Kanye's tweets, which are brilliant. Yeah. you know all of that sort of stupid stuff. There's actually quite a lot of any marketer who, who doesn't who doesn't find the Kardashians incredibly in, intriguing, doesn't get marketing. <laughs> you know because to me they're the, whole, they're the holy grail they really are is
0: is it them that has been savvy or is it a a producer or someone close to them that that really tipped it over the edge
1: well i am a huge chris jenner fan like people are you know obviously i read all the blogs and you know, your pimp mama chris and all that stuff but mm-hmm. you know i i, I don't know I, I i think they've just they've managed to just somehow it's kind of a perfect storm where you can't identify one particular thing that that, that they're like a brilliant jigsaw puzzle that they all just seem to fit. And I know that that's been planned. I'd love to know. I'd love to find out later later that, that Caitlin Jenner orchestrated all of this (laughs) somehow 20 (laughs) years ago, but it's just, I just find it that it's just one of those um, rare instances where um, first of all, they don't get enough credit and people underestimate how, how clever they actually are and B you know, what it actually takes to build a business and empire like that. You know, there's a lot of pretty faces out there, you know, it's, um, I find it quite extraordinary.
0: They've been very shrewd, haven't they?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm quite impressed. And you know, all of this latest, and Kanye West just adds to the entertainment, you know, I think it's, yeah. Again, you you always got one doubt about whether the the relationship's legitimate or not, but you go, God, it's perfect. (laughs) From the outside, you go, it's just perfect. They're either either incredibly deluded and incredibly, which I doubt, or they're incredibly gifted at PR. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and I I prefer to think that it's the latter. But anyway, I've talked way too much about the Kardashians. Wow. (laughs) I just realised, oh, gosh, this is my moment to talk all about the Kardashians.
0: And that's the end of
1: it. <laughs> Fabulous. Good.
0: What's the most exciting or dangerous thing you've ever done?
1: Ooh. For me, dangerous is always on an emotional level, not on a, a physical mm-hmm. level. Um, so for me, anytime, you know, anytime I've actually put myself out there, uh, anytime I put myself out there emotionally and been vulnerable, especially in the public eye, that that's always extremely dangerous for me um and excite. i mean i live i'm excited every day that's the beautiful of being so crazy add that you know everything is shiny and therefore everything is exciting and new every day um so and i try i mean if i'm not living a day where there's some excitement then or interest then i'm not living my best life in my view so um but dangerous is always on the on the emotional level for me um putting myself out there um, trusting people uh, you know all those sorts of crazy human things um, but yeah
0: what others may see as normal relationship yeah things.
1: yeah others might yes I think well I don't know I, I, if people actually do I just think they don't think about it as much as I do <laughs> I think I'm just an overthinker to you know infinite degree um, where uh, yeah I think some people have just they, they've been lucky and they haven't had to you know trust and have trust broken they haven't you know what I mean those sorts of things um and yeah I, I think I think it, people just don't think about how vulnerable it is to love another person so um I tend to think about it and obviously when you think about it too much it becomes a, a thing right yeah <laughs> so, uh, for me but that's like I said that's dangerous only for me because i yeah I don't know you ask me that's my answer <laughs> I haven't really explored that far, to be honest.
0: Do you find that trusting people is a, a, a boots in, an all in kind of thing?
1: Oh, absolutely. absolutely. It's binary for me. Um, I believe that you trust or you don't at all. Um, and I know that that seems like an extreme view, but I, I've, um, you know, I've been in, uh, in positions where I've never been trusted or I've been mm-hmm. only a little bit trusted. And you can never earn that gap because the thing is in, in, the, in the world of human behaviour uh, and, you know, in the world of confirmation bias, if you sit in a, in a, uh, waiting for someone to do things that will break your trust, mm. they will be able to do it within 30 seconds of you talking to them because you're gonna, it's going gonna, gonna to frame the way you see people. If you choose to trust people and give them the benefit of the doubt um, um, until they do something that breaks that trust you know, that, that that's giving someone the benefit of the doubt. You know, you just, you can never, if you can't trust someone 98% because that 2% will always never be there. And that, that's, you know, that's a horrible position to be in. So um, I choose to just trust blindly and give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And uh, when they break it, then it's gone. <laughs> it's that simple. So,
0: Well, this might be a fairly straightforward question then. Yeah. Is forgiveness an easy thing or a difficult thing for you?
1: Easy, absolutely easy. Because what I do is I, uh, I'm very good at understanding the other person's point of view. Um, uh, you know, one thing I have been blessed with is, um, you know, a, a healthy amount of empathy for other mm-hmm. people. Um, so you know, I can e- e- even if I'm being, you know, something's happening or whatever, I'm usually in the other person's shoes. But the, I've actually, it's come the other way where I've gone, I've gone, look, this isn't working for me. You know what I mean? This isn't healthy for yeah. me. So for me, I can go, look, I understand. And, and and forgiveness comes from understanding at the end of the day. Forgiveness comes from empathy and from um, healthy boundaries. And that's something that I've developed only recently, to be honest. Um, but, and, and you know, I'm still not that great at it, but, uh, you know, yeah. For, so forgiveness comes from understanding and empathy of another person. So, Yeah. It's easy for me. It is pretty easy. I don't hold on to grudges. Um, I move on, excuse me, pretty quickly. I tend to, (laughs) I tend to be one of those people that looks from the outside looks like I purge people, Mm. looks like I purge friends and those sorts of things. Um, But that's actually that happening on a fairly semi-regular basis. Most of my friendships or people that have fallen away, it's not ended in a way that's horrible. You know what I mean? It's just I've gone uh, okay. I'm good. I understand your point of view, but you're not healthy for me. You know that that's that's really that's yeah that's a form of forgiveness, really, because I'm not you give up fighting, really. <laughs> so
0: it's all good. That can be a very difficult decision to make, though, can't it?
1: It can be, and it has been in the past. Um, You know, but at the same time, I don't know. I have, I, I have somewhat of a feel. I'm very. <laughs> Uh, very philosophical about these sorts of things which is that you know uh, as cliched as these these things like you know closing a door and opening a window and you know all of those sorts of things you you know you let one person go others come you know because we've only got a a finite amount of time in our lives and so those will always only be able to focus on a handful of people I know for me I can only focus on two people at once and I've got three kids, <laughs> so you know, to be extra to that, then you know, you you've kind of got to be pretty special. So <laughs> I'm very pragmatic about these about my time, um, and the and it's not just time, but energy. You know, because mm. I have gone through you know, very quite a rough year with mental health and those sorts of things, and I think that reaching a crisis point with that made me reassess my priorities. And, uh, you know, I only have people that are good for my mental health in my life, which I think is sometimes a very hard thing to do. But when you actually are okay, mm-hmm. you know, one, you're actually, if I could say anything to anybody who's listening is that if there's someone, if they're, you know, if it's family or uh, whatever and they're toxic to you, if you get rid of them, it will be okay. <laughs> a lot of the time we hang on to people out of obligation um, yeah. at our own expense. So.
0: What's your favourite place to travel to?
1: Mm-hmm. Travel. Good God. I had three mm. kids in my 20s. I haven't travelled anywhere. But <laughs> <laughs> um, to tra- I, I'm, to be honest, I'm actually not a huge fan of travel. And I know people are all like, oh, you know, travel this and travel the world. But, again, I don't, I don't like to be inconvenienced. <laughs> And and travel is the ultimate inconvenience to go and see, you know, a a canyon. It's like, well, that was was that worth the 42-hour flight? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) I'm very unromantic about the world. Um, But uh, my favourite place to travel to is, um, honestly, on Friday afternoons to get my kids. Yeah. Only 25 minutes up the road. And that's my favourite trip. (laughs)
0: <laughs> not only because they're special to you, but for the potential of what the weekend exactly. means.
1: Exactly. So, and it's just my favorite time of the week. So
0: do you tell them that?
1: Yes, of course. They
0: How know. do they react?
1: Oh, they know that they, they go. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Sure. mum, whatever I roll, but they'll remember <laughs> later on. <laughs> and that, so you've got it when you're with kids, you've got to do the stuff that not, you've got to make sure that you affirm things that they're going to remember 10 years from now. Yes. it's a big responsibility to make sure that. That's why words are so powerful with with kids, um, and the words that you use with them are very powerful. And making sure that every day I make them laugh because that's the stuff that when they're sitting alone in a bad in a bad place, you know that that's the stuff that will come to them and go. Oh, I remember that time when you know Mum fell off her office chair last weekend, and she had no pants on. You know that you know like that, that's the stuff that. That may or may not have happened last weekend. Um, <laughs> um, you know, that that's the stuff that 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 anchors children. You know, yep. the, the words that you say, and you know, they may not in the moment appreciate it, or you know, understand, or you know, but uh, this is a long game. So yes, I tell them every day, even when they write all roll their eyes at me and yeah, and take it completely for granted that I love them. <laughs>
0: Coming up next, a Kickstarter to buy Taya some pants.
1: <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Why do uh-huh. I say these things, Steve? Why? <laughs> no one needs to know.
0: <laughs> yes, they don't.
1: Oh, geez.
0: So how do you describe your experience of family?
1: Um honestly, um, it, well, my experience of family has not been good, um, but my, I think an experience of family also, uh, my experience of family growing up has made uh, mm. me have a, an amazing appreciation for what others have that I didn't have and made mm. me have an amazing appreciation for what I've got. You know, so from from the outside because I'm divorced and, you know, um, I have them on the weekends and, you know, that's not normal for most people from the outside. Um, But, you know, from from my point of view, we've got a very peaceful, you know, co-parenting relationship. I've got happy kids who know they're loved, you know, all of these sorts of things which, you know, making sure my kids know that they're very much loved and wanted is like number one, you know, despite all of this other stuff. So, for me, whereas others might, again, it's, it's about spinning things um, in a way, um, you know, I, 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 I'm one of those people that didn't live a childhood, I survived a childhood. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but, so, for me, I'm very much appreciative of, of, I'm actually very appreciative of very basic things that people take for granted, you know. So, like pants. Like pants, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, but, you know, like affection, Mm. You know, like seeking affection from a partner is something that I, you know, it's like <laughs> uh, you know, that, it's like there, yeah, that's pretty basic, Taya. You know, you should probably know that. Like, well, no, I don't know that. Uh so but yeah, so making sure that my kids don't inherit my baggage has been my yeah. my number one mission and making sure that I um appreciate what I do have rather than focus on what I do not. Um and that's something, you know, that's my, my experience of family has Framed a lot of my attitude towards everything in life, as it does, you know. So, I know that, that got deep, didn't it?
0: It's all part of the fun.
1: <laughs> yes. So, appreciate what you do have and who you have in your life because they may disappear on you.
0: <laughs> Where is the line between public and private for you?
1: Oh, I'm going to give an answer that's going to surprise some people who know me. It's actually quite well defined. Um, I sh- I used to share a lot more than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I share only information that I'm quite – I've always had this thing. I'm quite com- – I only share things that I'm comfortable uh, having on the front page of the uh, – <laughs> if I'm going to end up on Sunrise <laughs> – for example, I'm only, that's the only thing that I would ever uh, put online is if it's, you know, I just, I, I've had to learn a little bit to, to tone that down even a little bit further where, you know, the old subtweet um, or all those sorts mm. of things that I think that that passive aggressive behaviour is not healthy. And I think we all do it. We all get in a bad mood and, you know, mm. say things that we don't, you know, aren't necessarily in our right mind. But, you know, um for the most part, I do try to maintain um, a lot more privacy than people would have you believe, um, and uh, yeah, I just go about my business, and I, I like I, I use social media purely as a as a playground, and I think that that's what's actually changed for me, um, as a sort of an old dragon in social media terms. Yeah. Um, an old dragon. Yeah, well, that'll come from the days of Usenet and, and, you know, secret blogs and, you know, the internet was my secret playground. And I think that a lot of, you know, for, for a good number of years it was where we hid, you know. It was where we kind of expressed our thoughts and, and, and did introverted things. And I've often joked, I said, look, these extroverts have crashed our internet. Like, you know what I mean? They have with their Instagram and YouTubers, and it's like this, fucking that. This was our space. Go away, you know. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, don't you? You just you have the world already. Just just leave us here. And we, <laughs> but now the internet has obviously become uh, intersected and become real the real world. And for me, I, I I'm actually, if anything, I'm, I'm actually writing about this. This is something that I. This is what my never finished book is going to be about is about the growth that we go that the society has gone through in this and my through my stories which is where the internet went from being you know me with tailoo as my username with no one knowing who i was mm. to me being tailoo with my real name with all of this shit that i'd written in <laughs> when i was 20 on public record and then constantly going through this grapple where um uh, the internet is my safety net and my my people and my friends and, you know, where I express myself and people get me. And now there's all these other people who don't get me on there too and people who are in my real life. And, you know, it's just been a really big challenge. It, it is related to that privacy discussion because, for me, mm. I've always been uh, in my head. I've always been a head in a jar online, right? <laughs> Yes, You know, the old Futurama head in the jar. I always considered, I used to say that Twitter was like a whole bunch of heads in a jar where you're outside of who you are, you're not your gender, you know, you're not all these things. Yeah. Now it's it's obviously different. In the last, you know, in the last eight years or so, it's become, you know, (laughs) I'm purely now just generating content. You know, even the language has changed. I'm generating content, you know, versus just expressing myself. And I've gone through that complete struggle and I've lived it online every day where I go, shit, I went too far with that thing. (laughs) 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 Holy shit, you know, and I I, I forgot. I forgot that it's not my old internet. Does that make sense?
0: (laughs) Yeah. How do you reel it back in when you recognise you've gone too far with it? Uh,
1: Usually i take it offline and apologise and delete, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah. some, if i' if there's something i've said that I regret I will instantly go back yeah I'm the queen of I've got no impulse control so for me if i've you know just go in and delete it and hope no one saw it that's that's really all you can do um I don't again I don't really say anything really i just i don't like oh, you know that public private line and yep. our first question about danger danger and vulnerability um they're not actually unrelated I just don't like to give away too much of who I am. That's something that I keep private and that's something that is guarded very heavily and there's only a handful of people that really connect with me on a really deep level. Um, And so that's, you know, I think that that's a privilege that should be earned, not something that should be necessarily used for content, if that makes sense. Yeah. I give people snippets, (laughs) Um, which is why we're talking today, but, you know, it's, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I like to run a bit deeper than my Twitter account or my Facebook account if I can.
0: So back in the day, mm. how did you first discover this introverted intranet?
1: Uh, purely, you know, uh, well, uh, the questions are actually quite linked, which is because I had a pretty, very ordinary horrible childhood so the refuge for me was actually hanging out in the media room at high school Mm. where we built a built a radio station I've never told anyone this thing Uh, and I used to basically I didn't really connect with people you know I I, I grew all of this bravado and confidence you know in my late 20s but before that Mm -hmm. I wasn't terribly confident um, so I'd h- hang out in the media room at school. So, I, you know, I w- wanted to be a journalist and, and he brought an old Mac, he brought a Mac, um, LC575. Wow. Uh, I know, right. It's so, I actually want to buy one because there's, you know, like you have it on display cause they're so cool. But I, I, yeah, he brought an old LC2 and an LC3 and we had this sort of little lab that would, and, and I remember running, um, we didn't even have the internet. We were basically uh, – the teacher was <laughs> – Mr. Bryce was his name and he was um, awesome and he he actually kind of took me under his wing and really shielded me a bit from, you know, a lot of shit. And, um, yeah, and I just kind of learned through his enthusiasm for Apple products. Kind of it just became, uh, you know, a biosmosis I became interested. I remember playing old um, – I don't know if you remember Bolo, the computer game. <laughs> Or marathon, you know, the, yeah. the precursor to Halo by Bungie, playing those sorts of, you know, lab games and things. I mean, this was what 1994, 95, If I, you know, mm-hmm. um, and yes, yeah, so I was quite early for, for a well, for a girl on the internet, <laughs> um, for an anyone. Yeah, more than anyone, but for a, a, to, for a girl in particular. Not to be um, sexist about it, but it wasn't necessarily something that girls did. Um, and then, yeah, so I very, very early on we were dialing into the internet and I was, you know, surfing the web. And, and you know, I, I like when I say I'm an old dragon, I'm an old, seriously old dragon. I've been on Usenet boards and, you know, all sorts of things. I've seen this whole thing unfold before my eyes. It's incredible. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I discovered it somewhat by, by osmosis. But for me, the whole introverted community, I can go back to the question <laughs> eventually. <clears throat> but I discovered this whole, um, introverted, like I've always been a good a uh, 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 good writer. Like I've never called myself a writer because writers don't earn money. <laughs> I call myself, you know, other things that, that, that get paid. But in my heart, and if I had a billion dollars to my name, I would be sitting and I would just be writing all day, every day. Yep. Okay. I would not make it my job. That's my passion. I love to write. I love to express myself with words. And the internet really um and especially in a in a in a situation where you know i, I was h- able to hide out in my bedroom uh, block out the world you know block out everything that was happening around me you know um and you know like, you know just to, <laughs> somewhat escape reality for an next for, for a period of time um and I just go on the internet and talk connect with new people like I've known people there are people that I have never met and I'm sure everybody who's been on the internet for a length of time I you know there's a guy I know in the UK who <laughs> he was like 14 and I met connected with him on the Lisa Loeb forum um you know gosh that started my career but you know on the Lisa <laughs> Loeb fan shut up Steve on the <laughs> fan forum back when we were 17 I've known him for 20 years. I've never met him, you know. Um mm. and I built a community that way and connected with Shadow. I, I know you're still laughing at the Lisa Love Forum. But um that's how I became a designer rather than a social scientist. Um We
0: all have these dark secrets. Well to... well,
1: yeah, they asked me to actually moderate the community after some time, and that's when all that's when I started to have a web design business. So I actually Christ. I'm actually a political scientist. So um um yes yeah, so i it's a massive weird weird story about how i even am in this business it's so bizarre but um yeah, so it's just um for me it's just been unfolding, so everyone kind of i feel a little bit someone actually to be honest, I feel a little bit pissed off that extroverts have crashed our party <laughs> does that make sense and yes. I kind of you know like my you know like instagram now it's the internet's become um, it's no longer a safe space. And even if you create a safe space, it's generally crashed by people, you know. And it's just like, yeah, and, and even just Twitter and, and it's being superseded by visual medium, which is more attractive to, to, to extroverts. Like for me, I've been thinking for five years that I need to do YouTube. I need to do a YouTube channel, or I need to do something podcasting. Oh, oh no, I don't want to, <laughs> you okay. know? But yeah, so those that have a more more of an affinity towards extroversion, or being more outgoing, or better looking, or you know, all those things, it's now it's now their world again as well. <laughs> so I'm a little bit, you know, like I yeah. think a lot of us are a little bit displaced by it. Um, so I don't know what what that's why I kind of like to use my echo chamber in on Facebook just because. I can control that and I can still try to hold on to that small amount of um, uh, safe space, you know, shooting the shit, talking shit, you know, without all of this other, without society annoying us. Mm. <laughs> that... I've rambled but, yeah, that you know how you ask me what I'm passionate about? That's one of the things which is, you know all this anthropology, anthropological discovery of what this, what this whole internet thing is doing to us.
0: That's excellent. I know. Taya, what are you going to achieve in the next 12 months?
1: Gosh, I try not to do that because I think expectations create disappointment. Mm -hmm. Um, All I'm going to do is try my hardest um, to be uh, I make a joke about, um, you know, growth in line with inflation, which is, um, you know, an economic idea that you, you, your economic growth is in line with inflation and you're okay. <laughs> so every day I'm a little bit older, I want to see growth in line with that, <laughs> you know, like in terms of maturity or, you know, uh, just try to be a little bit better every day. Um, I do, you know, I've, I've kind of I've come out of a really rough year um and it, actually quite a, a rough number of years and I think that I've really decided to just fix my shit you know if I'm going to be blunt blunt and just mm. go god I need to just fix my shit um you know things are looking very good in in all aspects of my life right now um you know I've got more work than I can handle and you know um the personal life is, is really good you know so I, I I I don't have a plan I've never had a plan um I don't like having a plan because um, it, I, I'm Mister Murphy's daughter. Mm. I try not to plan because the second you have a plan, life changes. <laughs> so I just remain optimistic mm. and I just try hard. That's all you can do. Like Conan, Conan O'Brien's quote, you know, work hard, be kind, and awesome things can happen. That's my my life philosophy. Yeah, yeah,
0: I'm down with that.
1: Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, you know, simple, very simple philosophy. Very hard to live by.
0: <laughs> Taya, thank you for sharing all of that yeah, with us. All of that. Yeah. Um, it's been lovely to talk to you. Yeah. I, I really appreciate what you've said. Please know that that you you know what you've said is very special and you're highly valued. Thank you very much.
1: No worries. And I'm uh, yeah happy to talk and listen to anyone who's struggling. It's all good. They <laughs> you know, can hit me up.
0: Very clearly, you are on the Twitter. I am. Are bothered. there other social media accounts that you would like to admit to?
1: Oh, I've got all of them. Um, I tend to focus on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn, um, and they're very, very different tools. Twitter is more, Mm -hmm. you know, brain fart stuff. Um, Facebook is more my Facebook, (laughs) whatever, crap Facebook. But LinkedIn is very much. If you're more interested in the sort of the more cerebral brain professional stuff that I write or do whatever, then hit me up on LinkedIn. It's probably the best channel. That's going to be more of my channel this year.
0: This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Taylor is indeed human.